0: Chapter 5, Beyond the Ruins Is that how it works? Marley asks. That's how it works, Luca replies, but it's far more effective when you hit your target. But how do you know where it will go? Marley asks under her breath as she retrieves her arrow. Our team is deep within the ruins of what used to be something called Lab 16. Everything in this world is out to kill you. Toxic slime emerges from broken down machinery. Alien-looking creatures creep down the barren streets, eating anything that moves. Even the mushrooms, which appear at first glance to be ripe for eating, have mutated legs and a mouth Filled with fangs. Finally, our team comes across a cluster of dome like buildings. They see a glimmer of light emerging from inside. A metal sign is covered in dust. Marley wipes it away and it reads, Eris Dome. There is a latch underneath the sign. She turns back toward Chrono and Luca. Everyone appears to agree, so she pulls it down. Fluorescent lights flicker as our team makes their way down a concrete walkway of what seems to have been at one time, a magnificent building unlike anything they've ever seen in their own time. As they make their way up some stairs, Marley begins to notice a rotten smell. Once she gets to the top, she finds the source. Her body freezes in place as she stares down upon dozens of bodies sprawled out across the ground. Marley had snuck into an execution or two, as any princess would, but she had never seen anything like this. After a moment, she compiles herself, raises her crossbow, and forges ahead through this maze of bodies. She tightens her face as they make their way past a husband and wife, whose bodies still remain holding hands. She does everything in her power to keep together as she steps over an old man whose cane lies inches from his open hand. And then... She lowers her crossbow and she whimpers. No. No. Our hero's hearts all sink. They stand before the body of an emaciated woman. In one arm, the woman holds an empty can. In the other lies the body of a little girl who, in her last moments, had clearly been struggling to wake her mother up. Doing everything she can to hold in her tears, Marley walks over to a blanket lying on the floor. As she's picking it up, we hear, She's pretty, Mommy. Our heroes all jerk their bodies toward the noise. Luca accidentally sends a bullet shooting into the ceiling. They look up to see the little girl staring at them. Mommy, how is she so pretty? the girl asks shaking her mother awake. And then, our heroes watch as all of the bodies begin to move. The old man grabs his cane. He looks at Chrono. You there, he says. Where are you from? After collecting his composure, Chrono clears his throat and he prepares to answer. We pass through the ruins in the west, Marley interrupts. Voices of shock echo across the room. So there are people who can stand up to those mutants, the old man says. Forgive me, he continues. I'm Doan. He extends his hand toward Marley. As she shakes it, his grip is so weak, it's almost as if there's nothing there. Doan notices a massive cut on Marley's arm. I'm sure we both have many questions for each other. But first, please heal yourselves in the Anertron, he says. Okay, Marley replies. Wait, come again? She follows up. Our Anertron, he says. It's right over there. After a moment, the man realizes that these travelers have no idea what he's talking about. You all must come from well beyond the ruins, he says. This machine will heal any of your ailments, and you'll get a full night's sleep in a matter of seconds. This is how we all stay, well, healthy. Our team makes their way inside the booth. Sure enough, within moments, they are completely healed, they feel even stronger and more revitalized than ever. However, and this is actually quite unfortunate, they still feel hungry. When they step out of the device, the little girl is there. She pulls at Marley's pants. You're so pretty, she says. Marley smiles at the girl as she kneels down. Thank you. You know, you're pretty too, she replies. The little girl blushes as she pulls at her ratty, tangled-up hair. Are you going to help Daddy? she asks. The girl holds up a crinkled photograph that has been torn in half. In it, there is a bearded man with a huge smile. He appears to be laughing in the photo. Daddy is big and strong, but he'll still need help carrying the food. Marley stares at the photo until... Ahem. <clears, <throat> clears his throat and motions for them to join him. I'll be right back. Marley says with a smile. Our heroes step aside into a small office where they can speak privately with Doan. They summarize their life stories at which point our heroes realize, as they expected, that they have found themselves far, far in the future. And that's what brings us to the robots in the control room, Doan says. But wait. Marley chimes in. How did this all happen? Excuse me, Doan asks. The world! How has it come to be like this? Doan tilts his head. He takes a seat. When I was a little child, my mother would always tell me tales about how there used to be this beautiful green world. She would tell me these stories every night to help me sleep. I remember one of them vividly. I was in bed, terrified from the screaming outside of my window. She would just hum to me, tell me to picture these beautiful birds flying over the ocean. The stories died with her that same night as I hid under my bed and the robots tore down our front door. Don has to pause for a moment to wipe his eyes. Until today, I had assumed those stories were simply myths that my mother told me to help me sleep. But after meeting you, I realized they must have been real. So, to answer your question, to tell you how this had all come to be. I can only give you the same answer that she gave me then. It just got really dark one day. So I spent my youth in the slums, drag racing through the ruins. Eventually, the robots were just too much. They overpowered us. We took shelter in this bunker, and this is where we have been for a few decades now. Under the building is our freezer and food supply. Using an aquaponic system, we were able to grow and store enough food to adequately survive, with the idea that we could eventually overpower the robots. However... They found their way in through the ventilation system. We had to lock the hatch, and since then, we've survived solely off the Enertron. What do the robots want? Marley asks. To kill us, Doan replies. But why? she asks. Doan doesn't have an answer. Because someone made them that way, Luca chimes in. Chrono nods his head as he takes this all in. Nobody has ever returned after they've gone down that hatch. Luca just smiles at Doan. Well, my friend, Luca replies. You see this guy sitting next to me here? The chatty one with the pokey hair and samurai sword? He actually just took down a massive dragon-sized robot about six hours ago. Or, well... Maybe six million hours ago is more like it. Anyway, we're going to go down there, grab us all a bite to eat, and we'll be right back. Sound like a plan, Chrono? She asks. He doesn't need to reply. The refugees all stare at our strange heroes. Excitement spreads over the crowd as they see them approach the hatch. Be back in a jiffy, Luca says. A little girl runs up to Marley. Here, take this, so that you'll recognize him. She hands Marley the photograph of her dad. Before Marley can reply, she's already run back to her mother. Marley smiles at the girl. And gives her a wink. Before she goes, Don leans in to tell her something. Her father, he says quietly. He left over two months ago. Marley's lips quiver slightly as she forces herself to keep smiling at the girl. Her legs make their way down the ladder one rung at a time, and she disappears. As soon as their feet touch the ground, dozens of rats scamper everywhere. As one of them runs away, a laser pierces through its body. Its corpse now sizzles on the ground as a giant, spider-like robot makes its way over to the rat. The metal body of this robot has an organic-looking eye. Protruding from its head. That eye closes as a door opens from the bottom of the robot. A mutant then crawls out and begins to eat the rat. The sight of this is enough to cause Marley to gag a little, which is a sound that doesn't go unnoticed by the robot portion of this monster. Alarms begin to ring, the mutant ducks back inside the hatch and stares intently at Marley, who now has a targeting beam pointed directly at her forehead. A laser begins to charge until... Luca puts a bullet into the creature's eye. The legs from the motors begin to seize up and move sporadically, until eventually the entire thing catches on fire. A horrifying screech cries out from inside of the machine, and then ooze begins to pour from the panels. Luca makes her way over to the debris. She pulls a screwdriver from her belt and gets to work. After a quick minute, she has removed the targeting beam from the machine, and she has installed it on Marley's crossbow. That's how you know where it'll go. They smile at each other. As they follow signs leading them toward the freezer below, they are interrupted by the voice of a man screaming. Help me, he cries. Please, if you can hear me through the vent, they've captured me. Krona goes sprinting toward the voice as Luca and Marley do their best to follow. With his sword raised, he makes his way around a corner where he finds... A robot stares back at Chrono. Why are you doing this to me? A recorded voice of a man calls out from a speaker attached to this robot. As Chrono stares confusedly at this device, the robot shoots a laser straight into Chrono's shoulder. He drops his sword and falls to the ground in pain. Luca immediately fires an array of bullets at the robot, but she's not able to hit anything but its metal armor. Meanwhile, a panel on the robot slides open and a robotic arm extends out, holding a grenade. With a sudden surge of adrenaline, Marley sprints toward the robot. Using the handle of her crossbow, she swings her weapon like a mallet, crushing the robot's arm, and sending the grenade it is holding back into the body. They all hit the ground in anticipation of the explosion. I'm so sorry, sweetheart. The recorded voice continues. You'll always be my little girl. Please take care of your muck. The girls run over to Crono, his shoulder is dislocated. Luca tries popping it back into place, but the muscles and bone needed to do so just aren't there. What do we do? Marley screams in panic, with tears running from her face. Luca uses Crono's belt to stop the bleeding. We have to get him back, she says. Help me get him up. They help Chrono to his feet, and they turn back toward the way they came. However, three more robots make their way down the hallway. That's not going to work, Luca says. We need to... Marley watches as a laser shoots through the back of Luca's neck. She falls to the ground, bringing down Chrono and Marley with her. Shortly after this... Marley hears the first half of a massive explosion as blinding light fills the room. She doesn't hear the second half of the explosion because she is knocked unconscious. Marley wakes up to find she's in a large room. Chrono stands at the door to this room. Using his good arm, he's attempting to open the hatch, but it's clearly locked. Marley turns to Luca, who lies on the ground next to her. Luca, she calls out. Luca blinks a few times. Can you hear me? Marley asks her. Luca moves her eyes up and down. Marley grabs her hand. She squeezes it. Can you feel this? she asks. Luca moves her eyes left and right. With her hands trembling, Marley stands up and walks over toward Crono. He steps aside from the door, allowing Marley to look through a panel. Just outside, there are at least a dozen robots on patrol. Even if they were to somehow get the door open, there's nothing our crippled party could do from there. As Crona helps Luca drink the last of his water, Marley is overwhelmed with guilt. She was the one who convinced them to go through that portal. She was the one who thought it would be just another fun adventure. And then... Off in a dark corner of the room, Marley sees another body, a hooded figure. She walks over to it. She kneels down. Marley knew what the face would look like before she even removed the hood. She does so, and there he is, the cold corpse of a bearded man, and he's holding something. Marley opens his hand to find the other half of the photograph. She places the two torn pieces together to see a moment in time when the father was tossing his daughter into the air, and they were both laughing hysterically. And finally, Marley begins to weep uncontrollably. As tears pour from her eyes, she can't help but notice something a little strange. The cuts and bruises that run up her arms begin to heal before her eyes. As an aura passes over her body, and suddenly she feels stronger and healthier than ever. The same thing is happening to the man in front of her, who now opens his eyes. Sophie, he asks. Marley blinks a couple times. No, she replies but hang on a second, hang on right there. Marley sprints over to Luca, whose eyes express that she is equally shocked by this turn of events. She places her hands onto Luca, takes a moment to focus, and then allows the healing aura to take over. After a moment, Luca sits up. Marley sprints over to Chrono to do the same thing. Before long, his shoulder is fully healed. Marley now turns back to Luca. So I guess I can heal us and stuff. That's very helpful, Luca replies with a smirk as she jumps to her feet. Our team bursts through the door. Marley creates a protective force field around Chrono as he charges into the robots and begins to hack and slash his way through them. Lucas sends shots firing through the room. Using scrap parts from the defeated robots, she fires off a volley of lasers and cannon fire into the reinforcements. Before long, the room is filled with nothing more than circuit boards and sparking cables. Marley then walks back over to the hooded man. Um, so, anyway, obviously, I'm not Sophie. But I had the privilege of meeting her. She's doing very well. She's going to be incredibly excited to see you. And, um, not knowing how to finish that thought, Marley says, What's the deal with these robots? Am I right? Over the coming months, Luca helps the refugees reinforce the ventilation systems. They rebuild the aquaponics system until one day, they are finally able to sit down together for a meal. As they all enjoy their food, Luca notices that Doan isn't with them. She steps into the aquaponics warehouse to find him staring at a row of vegetables growing from a series of pipes. ''You come from a time where this would just grow from the ground?'' he asks. ''You have to stop this, even if that means...'' he begins. ''Even if that means that my mother never meets my father at that camp?'' He pauses. ''You have to stop it.'' ''Stop what?'' Luca asks. And with that, the old man begins to shiver. It can't be real. It's just a virus in the computer. He starts to ramble. The man begins to panic. Eventually, this brings him down to his knees. It's just a virus in the computer. It's just a virus in the computer. It can't be real. It can't be real. It's just a virus in the computer. It's just a virus in the computer. It's just a virus in the– Don't! Luca yells. She begins to fiercely shake the old man. Don't! What are you talking about? The old man's lips begin to quiver. The nightmare to all my mother's stories. After she thought I'd fallen asleep, my mother would begin to cry, and then the truth would come out. It can't be real. It can't be real. Don't! What is it? Luca asks. The old man gives Luca the most terrified look she has ever seen in her life. He only has one word to say. Lavos. Luca, Chrono, and Doan stand in the old man's office staring at a computer. I would never show this to anyone, Doan says. I always told myself it wasn't real. This was just a clip from an old film or something. He clicks a button and a monitor pops on. It's camera footage from a surveillance tower at the peak of what must be a lighthouse. The footage looks out over nothing but an endless sea of water. Don slams on the pause button. Look at that, he says. He points at two black blurry figures that make their way across the top of this incredibly low resolution footage. Are those birds, he asks. Our team has no reply. Joan resumes the video. Here it comes, he says. With that, the previously calm ocean begins to come alive. Waves begin to crash, and some almost make it all the way up to the camera itself. Far off in the distance, a massive creature appears to emerge from the sea. While the image is blurry, It's evident that this isn't a ship or building. Whatever it is, it's clearly alive. It begins to ignite the sky, with what we must assume is fire and ambers, and then the footage immediately cuts out. No, Marley finally speaks up. This can't be our future, it can't be. There's only one thing we can do. We must change history, just like Chrono did when he saved me. She turns to Luca. Okay, Luca? She asks. Luca looks towards Chrono. What do you say, Chrono? Marley asks. With that, our hero gives them a quick look, and then he says the only thing he needs to say. All right! Marley squeals in excitement as she jumps into the air. Luca uses Dome's computer to pull up a map. There, she says. Ever since the generator has been turned on, my key has been getting a signal from somewhere in the east. It must be coming from here. Proto-Dome. Dome reaches into a drawer. If you're going by the way of Lab 32, take this with you. He hands Luca a small pouch. It's a key to my old jet bike. Hope it still works. They smile at the man. Thank you for giving us hope, he says. The refugees all clap and bow to our heroes as they leave the fortress. Well fed and feeling energized, they march their way toward Lab 32. And this is where we'll leave them. Will our heroes be able to fight their way through Lab 32 to reach Proto-Dome? Will they be able to go back in time and stop the monster Lavos? Wouldn't it be neat if we could somehow travel through time a few months to the next chapter? Join us next time on Chrono Trigger, The Story.